Battle Monkey, talking all things motorcycles since 2019. Podcast, podcast. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome back to the Throttle Monkeys podcast with me, your host, Big Mitchum, where we talk about anything motorcycle related and we try to address your burning issues, desires and questions. If you want to get involved in the debate, you can find us on social media, on Twitter, using the handle at MonkeyThrottles, or drop us a line at ThrottleMonkeysPodcast at gmail.com. I'm flying solo today. I'm on my own. I've been released. The ties have been cut free. Like a pigeon released from the loft after a long, harsh winter in a detritus, which is pigeon sweepings. And today we're reflecting, as the Rona has ended most of our fun, got rid of most of it, and we're probably all missing our bikes, missing racing. I've got our very own resident motorcycle racer coming onto the show. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome my number one fan and soon to be the number one racer for the uh, Throttle Monkeys podcast racing team, Mr. Jack Fowler. Welcome on board. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Thank you. You? Yeah, good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. It's nice, to, it's nice to finally do something. I know I've been chatting for a while about, um, about doing something and... Uh, yeah, no, no better time than lockdown. Well, to be fair, we've just been, I think we've been just chatting about anything, really. We started off talking about um, getting you on and doing bikes, and then just got, well, it's probably me more likely pestering you, asking you questions, just because I'm a nosy fucker, and I wanted to know, really. <laughs> no, I think we, um, we were on about meeting up, weren't we? But we obviously, we both live at, like, opposite ends of the country, really, which is, which is difficult. So um, we'll get there one day. We'll get there well, one day. I would definitely like to when this is over and you're back up and racing. If you're racing, so I'd like to come down and uh, and, and and you know, I don't know, be a be a pit crew chief for the weekend or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. How far are you from Anglesey? Uh, I'm about. Ooh, I'm at the other end of the country. I'm down in Cardiff, but I have done Anglesey myself, and it's not that far to go. It's just a bit of a pain to get to, really, isn't it? Uh, you have to sort of loop up and then back across, don't you? Yeah, but if I hacked up on the bike, it'd take me about twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm just thinking like if if we do get going soon then there'll, there'll be a chance that i'll be there um i'm just thinking what else would be like close to you really i don't suppose anything's particularly close is it no not really well the, other than that it's castle coombe but it's not particularly um a bikey sort of track is it? it's more no. for cars that one yeah. yeah but i'm definitely up for coming down i could be a sexy grid girl or something like that yeah <laughs> we'll sort something out you t- tell mrs fowler to get out the way and give me the umbrella of all the races on the grid yeah i will do champion so do you know how i how hard it is to do any research on you well it's it's probably worth mentioning really that i'm not i'm not really much more than just your average level racer really so we don't i don't want people getting too excited and thinking i'm anyone special so i wouldn't i wouldn't expect it to be that easy really to well you are a hero to me (laughs) But uh, I, I googled put put your name in in Google search, and all it comes up with is a bloke off Love Island called Jack Fowler. And yeah. I have to cipher through like I think I you know just crawling through all the results until I found one. And uh, yeah, that's how that's how I come across you when I was yeah. doing that that review for uh, RE Motor Levers, I believe. Yes, yeah, I think that's yeah. one of the, how we first got in touch. It, yeah, because I asked if I could use your picture, didn't I? Yeah. yeah, champion. What do you make of RST Motor Levers qualities? You know their products and that. Yeah, I mean, like, um, it's sort of, it's a, it's a difficult thing to speak about because you've probably seen on Facebook yourself, like, people that mention um, 
let's let's say leathers that get made in Pakistan. The easiest way to put it is yeah. they, get, they get shot down so quickly, and they get called every name under the sun. And but so it's trying to convince people that I think they're decent, and you know, um, I, I took a punt on them like when I started racing because I thought it's affordable, you know, get custom fitting, custom design, all that. I thought for the money, I thought I'll take the risk, you know, what I've got to lose. Um, and I was pretty impressed with my first set. And then um, the guy that runs it got in touch with me and said, like, what do you think? How can we improve it? Blah, blah, blah. And then sort of since then, I've had um, I've had about five or six sets of them, I think. Um, they sort of did me like a little bit of a deal. Um, and I gave him a bit of feedback, um, what they can improve, that sort of stuff. Um, and I, I now think they're at a point where they're as, they're as good as anything else out there. And I, I really, really believe that. I, I definitely agree. I had a few little niggles on it, and they weren't major things because I didn't buy them brand new. I got them off someone else, and um, okay. yeah. And the zip went on mine. It's, it just just lost a tooth, so yeah. not really a manufacturing error. It's just you know just wear and tear. Yeah. Apart from that, that's I've had nothing really bad to say about them. I do like them, and I've been speaking to Ali up there, and he's yes. been uh, wants to get me sorted out soon. Now I, I was just interested to know what you thought of them as a, as a you know as a using them for professional yeah. racing use what you what your thoughts were on them that's it you know I'm, I'm not a i'm not that daft of a lad so i wouldn't i wouldn't risk my skin in anything that i didn't think would be effective you know um like i say i'm probably on my fifth or sixth set of them i've got a set sort of pending at the minute that they were like halfway through before all of this happened um, um so i've got i've got another set coming and um, yeah I, I rate them and it just pisses me off a bit when you see people on facebook um shooting down like the idea of getting something like that but i think one of the problems is i'm sure there's probably quite a lot of other smaller manufacturers that are making poor quality items and that's the problem yeah it is i got a i got a mate who has a, a motorcycle shop down the road from me mm. and a lot of his gear is is manufactured in pakistan and it's on the same production line as the companies who make uh they make sparda stuff for example just to put yeah. a big name out there yeah, but yeah. You're, you're paying 10 times the price for a little logo saying Sparda on. And really, it's just the same sort of thing. So I know yeah, Geordie's a type of their money. I just wanted to know, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's any any brand. I mean, even if you picked up a set of Alpine Stars, they'll be made in uh, Pakistan or Vietnam. Um, you know, it's so, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating trying to convince people, really. Um, yeah, it's, it, I had that on my video, and I didn't. You get people slagging you off, but the way I'm putting it, where else can you get a set of custom made leathers to tailor measure you, whatever color, whatever pattern you want on them, off you know, off the peg for that price? You can't, you know, a bog standard set of RSTs is what six, seven hundred quid for a, one that everyone has. Yeah, so it, you know, from like from the it's obviously different on the road, but from the racing side of it, I've seen um, I've seen like just let's just say branded leathers. Um, I've seen branded leathers open up like, you know, a paper bag um, from friends in the in the paddock. So I won't sort of name anything in particular, but generally more than one, you know, the, the few biggest brands, I'd say, um, all have issues. You know, I, I've crashed in mine a couple of times and they've held up generally pretty well. So I've got no reason to doubt them. And, you and, know, and they're improving all the time as well, you know, the... Each set I get every year is is better than the last, and because they've they've sort of taken in feedback from myself and other people, and 
you know. So, yeah, I mean, anyone that's after, like, a cheap set of leathers, then, you know, get in touch with them, definitely, they'll, you know. And are you going down the kangaroo hide? Because I know they just started doing that now, haven't they? I, I haven't yet, really. I mean, I'm not... I'd like to I'd like to see a set in person, but I, just, I don't know if I'd really sort of notice the difference too much, like, for what I do. I don't know if it'd be that much that beneficial, really. Because um, it, it's coming more popular, well, along with Buffalo. Buffalo is getting a big one at the moment, isn't it? Buffalo yeah. White. So yeah. it, 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 I, I can't really notice the the quality difference. But when I was speaking to that that lad in, in Barry of Black Tab, who's given me some bits and bobs before, mm. he showed me some gear. And you can sort of feel that it's a bit rougher and it's a bit harder to cut. So you can't get these fake cheap leathers because it, it, RST, are an, are, um, sorry, RST, RA Motor are an exception to the mold. I say they offer, I found they could offer good price, good service, and you get good quality, whereas some of them are, you know, can be a bit. Yeah, I mean, you, you see um, some adverts on eBay, don't you, for like, you know, just, general leathers and oh well, that's it or like a race rep suit for like 100 quid and yeah then it's common sense prevails isn't it it is but the, that's that's what i'm getting back to is that everyone tarnishes them with that brush and it's it's sort of trying to convince people that it's not they're not all like that you know um and yeah again i'm, I'm not i'm not stupid if i felt if i felt they weren't safe i just wouldn't wouldn't wear them end of really so no that's champion i was just just curious to get your point to see what you thought of them, whether it's just a budget thing you went for it, or whether you know it was just you thought, oh, give them a go, yeah. champion. Yeah. So with with your racing, then how long yeah. you've been? Well, how how did you get into racing to begin with? Then, um, like it's sort of it's always been in my blood because my my old man raced, like we briefly discussed. Um, yeah. So it's always been in my blood, really. Um, he took me over to the TT in. 2003 was the first TT I went to. Um, yeah, so it's just starting secondary school then. Yeah, yeah, long, long time ago, and I've, um, I've been to, I've been to every TT since. Bloody hell! Um, other than obviously, I'm not going this year, which is a bit of a shitter. But um, yeah, it's getting. So that got me that that sort of got me into motorbikes for starters, and then as I got a bit older, I was a bit of a late starter with it really, and. In hindsight, I really wish I started some form of motorbiking when I was younger, really, because I really do believe that the sort of the, the earlier you're on a bike. I mean, you look at all the all the top lads, even at my level, like they've all come from like a motocross background or something like that. Um, so I was a bit of a late starter, really. But I, um, I just I bought a I had a, I bought a road bike, bought a CBR six hundred for the road, and sort of nice, nice standard bike, good little bike that is. Yeah, like sort of I, I had a one two five and I was like seventeen or something for a couple of years. Then I got the got the six hundred and then so I was just out riding on the road and to be honest, I was just riding like a bit of a bell end really, um, which we're probably all guilty of at some point. Um, and then from that, I thought right, I'm going to try and do a track day. Um, so I did a couple of track days and I sort of quickly realised, I thought, okay, this is a bit more of me. Um, so that was, that was like 2014 and then I and think 2014. When did you do your first track day? <laughs> well, funny story, and this sounds totally ridiculous, but it actually makes a bit of sense. My first track day was Jerez in, uh, in Spain. Um, Bloody hell. So I did, a, I did a Euro for my first one, which was like, you know, the proper three-day sort of thing. Don't um, a bit arse backwards then. Yeah, it is a bit. Um, not really, I, I'll tell you why I did that, because um, I'd been to visit 
the Moto, I'd been watching the MotoGP there a couple of years before, and um, and like Euros were just getting big, and so I thought, fuck it, why not? Um, and it, t- it turned out to be one of the best things I've ever done, really. Um, so then, um, yeah, when did did that, and then that year did a few track days at home, like um, like Cadwell, Croft, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then must have been like must have been early. Early 2015 or late 2014, my dad just went out out of the blue and bought me a Triumph 675, um, yeah. like a, a full blown race bike. Um, Pretty hell. And then, and then that was that. Really, we just sort of we never really set out with any goal of doing anything other than just having a bit of crack. Really, so um, just I mean. That's the best way to start. If you start off and you want to be the best racer, you want to be big, you want to be famous, I think you're going out for false pretenses, isn't you? But if you just started off like yourself just because you enjoyed it and get going and you got into it, I think you, you, you develop naturally and you sort of have that... Not raw, you have that raw talent, but you have that drive to, to pull you through, like, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And, like, for, for me, um, as, as much as, like, uh, it's it's only a hobby, but it's a serious hobby, but at the end of the day... I, I do it for for fun, you know, um, and I, w- I, n- I wouldn't want to put too much pressure on myself or anything. Um, so, you know, for a whole host of reasons, from the the enjoyment side, from the safety side, all of that. Um, so, like when I started, I think ultimately I always knew I wanted to race at the Isle of Man, but that was always in the back of my mind a little bit. I think that's every biker's dream. Anyone who's into biking and 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 into road well it's just the mecca isn't it everybody wants to go to Isle of Man I was a bit of a late bloomer going to Isle of Man I went on my first Isle of Man trip about two years ago um, not obviously in race season because I'm not made of money like you apparently <laughs> but um, it's just you go there and even when it's not race season you've got all the signs up you, you start at the you know you, you start at the top of the um, of the street and you, you go down Bray and going down Bray Hill even though there's a set of traffic lights between what 500 metres from where you set off from the uh, paddock and down, yeah. you still feel like you're head down, arse up. Let's, all right, boys, let's go for it. Yeah. I go sleep, 30 mile an hour, trying to get on the back wheel. <laughs> it's just it's just something that draws you in. And I, I really do envy you being able to have a race, uh, being, being able to race there and go there so much. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll move on to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, ultimately, that was always in the back of my mind. It was never... I suppose the first year I was racing, it was never like a, a a concrete goal that I had, but it was always just in the back of my mind, like, well, let's see how we get on. And um, and then, like, we, we sort of started doing a few rounds. I did the, the Newcomer 600 class with No Limits. Um, I did okay. I wasn't brilliant, but I was all right, and I was just sort of enjoying it. And, um, it, yeah, it's, it's all just... And then it's just gathered pace from there, really. And... Um, like we sort of did that first year and thought, yeah, that was you know that was good. Let's like we were just um, we were just like renting renting a van on a weekend and going and like either sleeping in a tent or stopping in a nearby hotel that sort of thing. Who was that? Just you and the old man, was yeah, it? Yeah, just me and the old man. So it was just like uh, um, he bought the bike, but then we didn't want to we didn't want to spend too much more money on like in case I didn't like it. So yeah, um, you've thrown good money after bad then, but uh... yeah. So like we just, we were just hiring vans, that sort of stuff for the first year to see how we get on. And then did the first, did the first year, enjoyed it obviously. And then it was like, okay, this is a bit more, you know, let's push on with it a bit more now. Um, so then we bought a, like a motorhome um, for, you know, for obviously 
all the travelling you do and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, and race weekends and that. Yeah, so then sort of did that, started investing a bit more money in the bike and, and then, yeah, it's just sort of, it just gathered on from there and then once I sort of thought, right, I want to race at the Isle of Man, um, everything I did on the short circuits over here was purely to structure myself for there um, and what I mean about that is, is more, so like to get to, so the, to get to the Max Grand Prix, you can't just, you know, any Tom, Dick and Harry can't just be like, yeah, I fancy that. I've got a race license. I'll do it. Yeah. There's like a lot of procedures to go through to get there. Um, so like briefly, you, you you start racing on a novice license like everyone has to. Um, then for each race you complete, you get a signature on your race license. So right. then you get 10 signatures that then moves you up to a clubman level. Um, then you get a signature just for finishing a race. You don't have to come anywhere. You just you just have to finish, basically, to prove it. I, I, I'm assuming you have to finish completely. You can't be a DNF. Yeah, that's and, it. And cra- crash out. Yeah, yeah. so you, you've just got to finish. It doesn't matter if you're first or last. You've just got to finish. Um, well, if you don't come first, you're last. No? Yeah. That's what I say to the missus. <laughs> Ricky Bobby. Um <laughs> So shake and bake, baby. Yeah, it's a great film, that. Um, so then you step up to a clubman license, and then you have to do the same again to get your national license. But to gain that signature on your clubman license, you have to finish within a certain percentage of the winner's time. Um, right, you have to, yeah. So you can't just be coming last and still getting your signature sort of thing. Well, it'd be pointless then, because one, you'd be, well, ultimately, you could be, if you kept coming dead last and you just moved out to your signatures, one, you'd be a danger to the other races on track because I guess if you're going to be the back mark and you're slow, you're going to be blocking the line, you might have an accident. And two, you're not going to progress anyway, so what's the point? Is yeah, it? exactly. And I think the, the safety side of it you mentioned is the biggest thing. Um, so then you, you do that to get your national licence, which um, you then have to have for 12 months before you can think about entering the Manx. Um, Bloody hell. I think that's actually gone up to 18 now. Because um, these are things as like someone who I enjoy, I, I love the Isle of Man and I enjoy road racing. I, I'm not as fussed on track racing. I love the road racing because I think of like all the dangers of like the road furniture and, and the fact it's more relatable because then I can get on my bike and pretend to be doing my Tata TT where I yeah. come around there. But uh, you don't appreciate what goes into it until you listen to it. Like, you don't hear about these progression levels and what people have to put in to, to get there. You think, oh, he just signs up, jumps on his jumps on the boat and over he goes. Yeah, this is it, you know. And um, So I'm sort of speaking about this quickly, but f- from from me deciding I'm thinking about doing it, you're talking, you're talking a season to get from your novice to your clubman, then you're talking another season to get from your clubman to your national, then you're talking another season of holding your national for that 12 months. Um, so that's that's three years before you can even think about sending them an email to inquire about entering, you know. Um, Bloody hell. But then ev- even then you've got to sort of, you've got to have done a couple of road races, um, you know, like smaller road races. So I did, um, I did Oliver's Mountain in Scarborough. Um, okay, yeah, that's quite nice little, it's, it's narrow mind, isn't it? It's, it's very, deceptively small. Very yeah. narrow, yeah. It's a strange, strange place. And then I did um, the Southern Hundred, you know, in the Isle of Man as well. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I've done, well, I say I've done it, I've, I've been on the course. I haven't done yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so you sort of, that was probably my fourth season. So then, and then you're at, you're at a point to like, and then they hold um, what they call newcomers weekends on the island. Um, so, 
let's say, for example, if you were on a newcomer's weekend this year for, let's pretend it's not cancelled, but let's say you're on a newcomer's weekend in March of this year for um, the race in August, the Manx. And basically yeah. that consists of you go over, um, you do laps of the course in a car with qualified instructors, which is like past and present races. Um, but it's also, they use it as a, a weekend to sort of suss you out, see where your head's at, make sure you, you know. D- does Milky do that? Milky doesn't do that because he's um, he's a TT man. So the TT, right, the TT yeah. and the Manx are like two, although it's very similar, they're like two. Similar, separate, it's same, but I swear I, I met him, right? I was um, I went over on the island, sorry to break your story. Right. But I, I, I was, we've been out blasting all day, mountain mashing. And we stopped at the Craig for our lunch and we were sitting out outside and um, we were facing, you know, up, going back up to the mountain. And now we know it's a cardinal sin as a motorcycle enthusiast to even tempt fate and go the wrong way around the course. Yeah. But I've seen these brand new prettier RSV4s come in up the straight from, um, oh, bloody hell, uh, Douglas, not Douglas, bloody, coming back up the straight, you know, where you go left to go back up the mountain. And he, he just ploughed it straight into the wall. And I swear to no. God, it was Milky Quail and some other bloke. Yeah. yeah. And guess what? He got taken to hospital in a Ferrari. What? <laughs> yeah. There was a Ferrari just sitting at the bottom of the crag. And he was just spanking it up the mountain, turning around and spanking it back down. He hit the wall. This bloke who I swear was Milky Quail went over, picked the bike up of his mate and moved it. And they took him to hospital in a Ferrari. Yeah, you're talking about Kate's Cottage, aren't you? The corner... Um... Kate's Cottage is the one, the little left-hander before you run down the crack. Yeah, so so I've done Kate's and you're coming back down and I'm sitting at the bottom of the craig into that right-hander yeah. uh, back onto the street. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's like that though, isn't it? If you go on, if you go there on a weekend, there's all sorts of flash cars and bikes about. Oh, it was loads. It was, it's a bit of a tax haven, isn't yeah, it? You yeah, yeah. They, they say they've got no money, but you know, you get all the rich, the rich fuckers for the businessmen over there and they're, there's a lot of Aston Martins, Ferraris, Lamborghinis and things over there. Flash cars and flash bikes, yeah. 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 Sorry, I, I interrupt you there. No, just, I, just, I just wanted to give a yeah, story. All right. So um so yeah, like that's that's all of the effort it takes just to even being considered for an entry, really. And then like so going back to going back to the story of like gaining your signatures and stuff. So once I once I knew that I wanted to race at the Isle of Man, it was more um it was more of just protecting that interest. So whilst I, um, you know, whilst I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm an okay rider on short circuits. It's kind of, I, I would never push quite as hard as some of the others because I just wanted to finish to get that signature. Um, yeah. So not only did I want to finish the race, I wanted to, you know, it goes back to enjoying it. If you're crashing and you're spending a fortune and hurting yourself, you're not enjoying it. Um, so it goes back to to that really. So I sort of once I knew that I was pretty serious about wanting to do the Isle of Man, I've sort of structured everything I've done around around that. So, you know, I go and race on short circuits for fun. I try and do well, but I'm also not willing to risk myself too much because Yeah, you don't want to bust a ball and get yourself injured. Because ultimately you wanna wanna to get to the Isle of Man, you don't want to ruin yourself before you can even get yeah, there, you know? Exactly, exactly. So that so my, my sort of short circuit career has just been pretty like pretty steady really, just more doing it just for, you know, the weekend weekend get... away with your dad and your mates and having a few beers and you know. Well that's after crack of being a biker, yeah, isn't it? Like, of course I, it is. I go I go with my best mate and we go away for a week at a time, load the bikes up, 
We just think, where should we go? Right, we're going to Cornwall. We just point the bikes down south and we go yeah. for it. Wherever you stop is where you stop. Find a pub, have a few bevies in your tent, home, and the next day uh, you're off again. It's just part of the enjoyment of being with your mates and being free. It's just biking, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you don't want to turn it too serious in whatever you do because then you, you take the fun out of it and it, it's not fun yeah, anymore. You, you know what you said about uh, you did... Um, Oliver's Mountain, you did a Scarborough, yeah. this Gold yeah. Cup. Is it, uh, have you ever done Aberdeer? I haven't, no. Um, just, I mean, to be honest, we're sort of, it's like, because it is just me and my dad, we are only like running on a, we're not skimmed, but we're, we're not, we don't have the biggest budget in the world. Um, so I'd love to be able to start, sit here and say, yeah, I've been and done this race, I've done that race, but it's just a case of like, you know, Isle of Man comes first, then, and you know, Definitely. if I've got some spare cash, like I'd, you know, I've I've not raced in Ireland. I've been over to watch, but I've not raced there. And um, it just boils down to money, plain and simple. You know, I'd love to go and do the Northwest and the Ulster and Cookstown and all of these, but you know, and hopefully I will. It's just I've just got to sort of prioritise things, really. Fair enough. Wait, when we make a big time on the the Throttle Monkeys podcast and we're raking in the millions from all the bitches, <laughs> you 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 can do all these races because we'll be the sponsor and I'll be that bloke in the suit standing at the bottom who uh, who basically is a puppet master pulling your strings because you're my bitch. I'm like the Geppetto to your Pinocchio. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. As long as you're paying for the, the tire bill, then. Um... Uh, what is a tire bill on average weekend? And say, oh right, say you go to Isle of Man, right? What in that? fortnight what what's your tire oh, bill t- tires have just gone to be honest like the, the cost of racing is the biggest drawback um without a doubt you know um but tires have just gone ridiculous nowadays like the cost of tires is just stupid and the pro- the problem is is like you know say pirelli metzler you know they, they develop a tire for like british super sport let's say um for teams that have huge budgets you know that can throw away set after a few laps and all the rest of it and it's great that that technology gets passed down to you know you and me but the cost isn't something that we can um control as much um no we can't do anything about that but ballpark how much you spend on the set yes yeah, so like so say an, an average set of like pirelli race tires now is let's say let's say 300 quids about the average um yeah and even at my pace, which, like I say, I'm just a steady middle of the pack sort of club rider. A short circuit weekend, you'd need, you'd need like a set and a half, really. Um, you're talking some, you're talking some big bucks. You're talking nearly five hundred quid on one set of tyres. Yeah, and so that's not that's that's not money you take like It's not like oh, I go down the pub tonight. Yeah, don't go mad. Just spend five hundred quid. That's that's. A lot of money, and that's not that's excluding fuel, traveling, accommodation, and all these yeah, other and um, your things, entries. And yeah, I mean, like, so for the Manx last year, because we run two bikes, we have um, we spent, and again, this is this is me, not um, how do I describe it? So if I, if I had more money, I'd spend more, you, you know, it's like, say. But you live to your means, didn't you? If you had, if you had more money coming in, you're naturally going to spend more money. It's just, it's just, yeah, definitely. It. It's, it's not even down to the fact of having the more money. It's like you need it. You know, if you're if you're racing and you're battling for results, but the lad in front of you has just put a brand new rear tire in, you know, it sounds daft, but unfortunately, 
if, if that rear that you've got in has already done a day's work, it's, you're just not going to match him. You know, it's yeah, you're gonna be losing time. You're gonna be losing. The technology's moved on so much, and like I sort of struggled to get this into my like into my dad's head a little bit when he was helping me out because when he used to race in the eighties, a set of tires last season or you know three or four months. Yeah. The technology has just come on so much now that um, you know that's the issue that you've got. So like, do you? Do you think part of that's greed from the manufacturers of the tyres, though, thinking, right, I made this tyre, it's good for racing, but realistically, I want to make them spend more. So if I just tweak this so it doesn't last as long, they have to buy more. Is that a case you come across, or is that Quite just possibly. Me? I mean, it'd be really difficult to prove, but quite possibly. But I also think that the, the better that a manufacturer makes a tyre, so the stickier and softer they make a tyre, it's naturally going to last uh, less, isn't it? So... Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna corrode, not corrode. What's it? Yeah, corrode more. It's gonna wear away quicker. Degrade, yeah. And it's like what we said last week when we were chatting. I know you listened to it, but I I said um, similar sort of thing. I said that with doing motor vlogging in YouTube, that the price of equipment's gone up. So you need money if you want to progress. And I guess it's the same situation here. If you need, if you want to progress and compete with the big boys, you need to have the money to throw at it. Definitely. But then where do you draw the line then? You can just work it, throw money, throw money at it and, and not enjoy it because you've been forced to do it. Or you can just have a good crack, which it seems like you're enjoying. And you're getting some good results, to be fair, as well, yeah. aren't you? It's not... You, yeah, I think... You're not doing bad, like, when I've been... Like you it. said there, I think I've learned to, like, live within my means a bit, really. Um, so, like, when, when we went to the Manx last year, we, um, we spent two grand on new tyres. So, however many... You know, we got six, six sets of new tyres for the for the races, and then we spent probably another another five or six hundred quid on like scrub tyres from a BSB team. Um, and basically, what what I do is run the scrub tyres through the practice sessions, and then put the new tyres on for the for the races. Uh, yeah, so you can go like a battle of hell then, go like a stab right and give you best. Yeah, runs, I mean, eh? to be fair, like on the on the road racing side of it, your tyres aren't quite as critical so like at the Isle of Man you're not carrying mega lean angles like you are on short circuit um, no and you're not you're not like and with that you, you're not asking 100% of the throttle when you're on the very edge of the tyre it's a bit more gradual sort of movement do they do they square off then on tyres on the Isle of Man because uh, like a lot of it yeah, nah. like you say you haven't got the lean angles but you don't. they don't tend to square off no not really and, but I think you probably change them before they get to that point. Um, but what, like, say what Metzler do, and I'm sure we've done not do the same, is um, Metzler make tyres specifically for the TT where the rubber compound is the same. So, like, let's say you're using a K1, which is the softest. Um, the, the compound's the same, but the carcass in the centre of the tyre is a little bit firmer. Um, so, right. although the, the actual rubber that's hitting the tarmac is the same compound the tire's not flexing quite as much in like the carcass um so no you don't you don't really suffer from, from that to answer your question i i just wasn't sure like because i thought maybe because they're like not as lean as much not on the edge of it on the very limits maybe maybe it did but uh well that's just, it's something something i never really thought about never being you know when i go track racing i've still got my pretty diablo threes on on the fzr you know, it's been the same set, and they're like for three C, no, two seasons now. And they're they're literally on the edge now, like where to the point where I need to change it, but I just can't be bothered because it's time, yeah. money, and effort. Um, but I just just interesting though was yeah. So you know, when was your first 
Isle of Man race when or when you first went to Isle of Man when to be competitive? When was the first time you went over? Um, so I've I've only done the Manx twice to be fair. I'm sort of still early in my way with that. So I, tw- uh, 2018 was my f- debut at the Manx, um, but then I did the Southern Hundred in 2017. So I went over and did the Southern in 2017, which is um, to be honest, which is a, a meeting that a lot of people aren't as familiar with. Um, which is basically, it's another road race. It's um, it's much more dangerous than the TT because it's like lined with stone walls. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's more rural, yeah. isn't it? It goes out the yeah, way it's a like bit. four yeah. and a half mile lap or something like that. Mega, mega circuit, great event. Um, that's held like the first or second week in July. Just a, a really good, friendly um, meeting, you know. Um, so I went there in 2017, which was like, you know, so I'd done, I'd done Scarborough in 2016, I think. And then I went and did the Southern in 2017, which for me is like a proper road race, the Southern 100. Um, well, it's like, it, it is like, it's your first like proper step there, yeah. if you like. Yeah, so see. like, you know, that, that was great, did pretty well there. Um, and then, and then, yeah, so I did the Manx and the, did this, I've done the Southern every year since, but did the, Manx in 2018 that was my debut and then obviously did it um did it last year in 2019 um did you, did you get a podium in any no, of them uh well so i um at the southern hundred i won i won the support race my first year there at the southern which was really good um so that was like uh so they have a an a and a b race at the at the southern because there's so many entrants and then they had a uh, they have a c race which is it just goes on qualification time, but it, it always naturally works out that it's like a newcomer's race, if that makes sense. Um, I'm with so you. I, I won that um, at the Southern my first year there, which was just brilliant because, like I say, it's just such a good meeting and so fr- friendly. And um, and then debut at the debut at the Manx, I finished fourth in the newcomer's race. Um, I missed Fair the podium play. by like five seconds, which... Oh mate, that's 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 fuck all. There's that's that's a bit of it's nothing now. Going into corner too hot and coming in too wide and losing a few seconds in the corner. Isn't it? It's nothing. Yeah, it's, it's like, five, if I was going to walk in five seconds, do you know I get in yeah, five seconds? I get top top of my drive. If I halfway up my drive, so that's you know it's like two and a half times. Yeah. My dip. <laughs> it was um, you know, it, it was good, but in, in the same sense, so like going back to this whole enjoyment thing, like. Th- because it was my first year, I didn't have any pit boards because I didn't really want any. Um, I just kind of yeah. wanted to just see how we get on, really. Um, and if if I'd have known I was only five seconds behind, I generally think I probably could have made that up quite easily. Giving a bit of bone, beans, but giving a bit at more. At the same time, I might have done something stupid, you know, who knows? Um, so I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to dwell on that too much. And then, and then, um, you sort of, and then I did the, the that year, I then did the, the main lightweight race, and I finished like 16th, which was pretty good, really, in the main race. Um, yes, yeah, good effort, eh? you know. It's, it's good. It's, it's it's very good, you know, for your, a good proper yeah. race. Like yeah. going back to the um, enjoyment aspect of things, you're saying you don't want to lose the enjoyment because when you start not enjoying it, it becomes more of a chore yeah. than it does fun. When I've been watching um, things like, I assume you watched. Uh, um, the oh god, uh, on the edge the documentary about the TT close and stuff the like edge, that. The film, yeah, yeah, close to the edge, yeah. yeah, close to the edge. 
when all and, and I watch it, a lot of it's Guy Martin's on there. Now I love Guy Martin, I'm a big fan of his. I've been to his house and everything. Not legitimately, I, I sort of like stalked it on the way through uh yeah. Kermel. But they, he keeps referring to the buzz. Oh, it's for the buzz, it's for the buzz. But when he's asked, he says it's for the buzz, but I've never quite worked out what this buzz is meant to be. So what is he referring to when he says it's yeah, the I buzz? Mean, do you know what Guy Martin's probably a prime example of this because throughout his career, Guy, like, towards the end of his career, he ended up, like, getting a lot of shit in the media for being, you know, a bit arrogant and that sort of stuff. But to be honest, yeah. it wasn't, that wasn't the case at all. I mean, he, he started racing because he just loved the buzz, you know, like you're talking about there. And he, he loved the racing and he loved the crack. And then it all just, through no fault of his own, really, all just got a bit too, well, a bit too much because he was good, you know. And he, the yeah. attention... That, that that came with that was not what he started racing for. You know, people stood outside his own and wanting autographs and he, he just wanted to be out there like Well like me. Yeah, well and me when I was a kid, you know, and um but you know he, he's a good example of that and he he sort of has stopped really because the enjoyment side of it will have gone. Um I'm not saying he wouldn't have enjoyed being out there on his bike, but it's all the shit that went with it that I think um Probably drove him away, but but yeah, he's like... he's probably a prime example of that. But going back to that, like you ask about the buzz, I mean, it's just, it's just an, it's just incomparable to anything the Isle of Man. And um, I think for me, it's like you've probably heard a couple of people say it feels like illegal, um, and that's yeah. like that is one of the big things. You sort of you're cracking on thinking like fucking hell, like I can't. And you know, in the in the politically correct sort of you know, pantsy world we live in now. You're not. There's a lot of things you're just not allowed to do anymore, is there? And to be able to go over there and just like just crack on doing that with like, it's just, I think yeah. I think you've got to go over there to just to to feel what he's getting on about. Like, um, I I, I love the bloke. I think he's a good he's a good laugh and he, he's funny and he and he calls a spade a spade and a shovel a shovel and he's no he's a no bullshit man. But I find if you go over there. This you you that affinity to the island is just it's just mad, isn't it? You you get drawn to it and you can't leave it. Like I keep wanting to go back and go back and go back, but things with work, travel expenses and that is stopping me. But I definitely want to go back there. And I I think it's just you have to go there to feel it, yeah, if that makes sense. Dead on, you're dead on. I mean, I, I've got such a like a love affair with the Isle of Man and it's much more than just the racing, you know, it's it's the it's the place, it's the people. I've got I've got a lot of friends over there, not not even through racing, like a couple of my dad's buddies like moved over there to retire and that sort of stuff. Um so like we've got friends out there, we've made friends and it's just it's just a beautiful place and it's just so laid back and friendly. It's all picturesque, isn't it? It's all lovely. But what I will find is like because it's such a small island, right? Distance is a massive thing yeah. for them, isn't it? I was stay I was staying in St. Michael's. Kirkmichael. Yeah, I was staying in the church Kirkmichael. house. Kirk no, no, I was staying in St. Michael's, um, up, go up to Ferry Bridge, and it was up and oh, behind okay. there. It's an old church house, it was. I Just an Airbnb right, when yeah. I went there. And we ordered a, uh, a takeaway from Douglas, and I think it's about seven yeah. miles away in d- travelling distance. But for them, it was like a massive chore to come and deliver because the island's yeah. so small. Distance is massive to them, isn't it? It's like, But when you put it in perspective, it's, like, it's probably like me ordering a takeaway from... I live in... 
um, well, just below Cardiff. It's probably like me ordering a, a, a takeaway from Bristol, I suppose, in, in if you scale it up a bit. But it's just it's just really interesting. I'll tell you what, the bread and the Manx kippers. Oh, I had a Manx kipper sandwich on Manx bread. Unreal. Oh, it's like, yeah. oh, I just spaffed in my pants yeah, there. The, and um, going back to the distance thing, funny funny story for you. And this is a true story. Um, my dad was working over there in early 2000. Um he was like a project manager for the incinerator that they built over there. You might have seen it. It's like quite a big, ugly um, silver building with a big like. It's actually on that on that road. If you if you turn left at the Quarter Bridge pub and headed towards like Ferry Bridge, like you're talking about there, you, you go past yeah, it. Yeah, there. it's not it's not too much further from Quarter Bridge. Uh, yeah, I know what you're on about. I went to uh, I got off the boat and my clutch cable snapped, so I had to go down that way, and there was. Um... Matt McCunkfest or something like that, and I went to his bike shop down uh, there to get it fixed. Yeah, no so priest. I know where you're at. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, funny story. So that's in like pretty much Douglas. It's like a mile from out of Douglas Centre. And when the incinerator opened and it became active, they wanted to start bringing waste from Ramsey. Um, so, but so like Ramsey on the TT courses, it's like, is it what? It's like night. It's so like 20, 25 miles in, something like that. Anyway, true story, the, the, the bin drivers, the truck drivers, asked if there would be an overnight allowance. Um, Bloody <laughs> yeah, hell. To do, the, to do the sort of 50-mile round trip, honest truth. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a strange and quirky place for, for, from that sense. But um, it, it is, it's, it's infectious. It's absolutely infectious and... You know, from from more than just the racing, but it all and it's that's also what makes the racing so brilliant. You know, um, yeah, I do just love the play. I, so what's what I want to know is as well. well when you're racing, like I, I think when I first messaged you, I I, I said, "What's it f- like um, fucking down the Craig?" But I meant to say flying down the Craig because you replied to that for us and misses. I don't know if you remember that, but. When you're black, blatting along with that, you're on the road, there's nothing else. What, what's going for you, Ed? Are you thinking, right, okay, here I come, there's my pit board, this is my time. I know I'm in this corner, I need to get over here. I've got to be in this position. I've got to be over here. Right, okay, looking ahead, there's a corner. I need to... or, or is it just like, or are you singing in your head like, I'm a <laughs> it's all in me. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, um, there's, not, there's not many areas where you get a rest. Um, so you're, you're generally just, you're always thinking what's coming next. Um, and again, that's like down the safety thing, but it's like, you know, you, you um, I know, let's say you tip in at Balacrane and then you're thinking, right, what's next? What's next? And because the corners are coming at you so thick and fast, it's just like... You don't get time to rest. You don't get time to sit on your laurels and think, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do this. So I'm going to have chicken. It's just next thing you know, you're there. And yeah, you're I mean, honest, honestly, the, the only place, and it's not even a rest whatsoever, but the only place you can have like a millisecond to think is going down Solby Strait because it's obviously quite long. Um, and um, up the mountain mile as you start climbing the mountain. Um, yeah, it's just flat out for the yeah, miles, so isn't it? Yeah, so you just sort of... Um, yeah. You just try and wiggle your fingers and toes a bit and get, you know, just try and get your breath back a little bit. But there's not really, there's there's not really any time to think. It is literally just, you know, and I, I found that um, last year because the first year I went, I just went on my twin, my 650 twin. Um, now, while yeah. they're not slow, they're also not mega fast. So when I went back last year, I took my twin again, but I also took my Triumph. Um 
And I, rem- I remember the first night of practice on the Triumph, I went out on it and I was just like, fucking hell, this is like the the difference. I knew, and don't get me wrong, I knew, I knew it'd be a different experience, but it was like, holy fuck, this is just like... And the, the only thing I could think was, what's it like on them super bikes that have got another 100 horsepower, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, even watching on the telly looks impressive, but actually being there and being the one giving it the beans must be a feeling that's just like... That first couple of nights on the 600, I was like, I'm usually really steady and really clean and smooth. And that, the first couple of nights on that, I was, you know, getting a bit close to the gutters and that sort of thing. And it was just, yeah, you sort of sometimes have to take a step back to go forward sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's tone it down a bit. To, I, I, it's a different, well, it's the nature of the beast, isn't it? It's a different animal altogether. Like, um, people don't really understand the comparison between different bikes or that, but it's just uh, nature of the beast. That's all I can think of. It's yeah, different, and, it, and that goes back to what I was saying just then about you, you just don't have time to think. You know, um, it's just a case of you know that lap takes you twenty minutes. It's thirty-seven miles, and before, literally it goes so quick. And yeah. three quarters. <laughs> it literally goes so quick. You know, you sort of you set off and think, "Fucking, hell, I've got four laps," but I'm not going to new. Before you know it, you just bang past the grandstand, bang, you're in your fear pits, bang, you pass the grandstand, and then the race is going. <laughs> Honestly, it's, you know. It's got to be such an adrenaline rush and such a feeling. It's just sort of like a bit of a double whammy question for you here. Is that, obviously, you say it's gone down so quick. So I'll ask you two questions at the same time. The first one is like, what's your average sort of speed around the course and around the mountain when you're racing? And the other one is, that when you watch programs such as Close to the Edge, you've got Ian Hutchison who's on there. Well, I started off because I really like riding my bike and I, I go riding my bike and I just love riding my bike and they put a thumb brake on my bike. And, but he, you, you watch him and he's in the gym and he's doing weights and he's doing things and he says, oh, if I lost a race because I wasn't fit, it'd be the worst thing for me. It'd be the worst thing ever. So do you do things to keep fit? Because if I look at Muck Pike, who's just like, just just hell of a boy he doesn't look like someone who'd necessarily be going down the gym and putting the exercise in to keep himself fit so what do you do to keep fit is there special diet reasons and and what's your average speed and your fastest yeah, lap you've okay, ever so done? start with the fastest lap um i did just just shy of 113 last year so it's like 112.7 something like that um which good effort it's, it's a funny one because in today's world where hickman's done like 135 to people that don't really understand, they'll be like, oh, well, that's a bit off. But And of course it is, but, you know, it's only my second year there and I'm, I'm more than confident that we can, we can, you know, improve that by, by quite a way. And the, and the thing people don't understand as well is that that's an average speed. That's not just your fastest speed. That's your average speed. Yeah, round absolutely. There, well. So, like, when you, when you take it to comparison, so when you get your results sheet at the end of a race, it obviously has your fastest lap, but it has your race speed across the four laps. Um, so when, when you take it a comparison um, consideration sorry a pit stop um, your race speed was like I don't know 110 111 but you've done that for like an hour and a half um, so when you think of it like that it's a bit it is it's mad really um, so then that's that and then yeah going back to the fitness thing um, yeah you sort of uh, the thing with riding bikes and like racing bikes is the biggest thing is bike fitness, which you, you only get from riding the bike speed, you know. Um, and again, it's like, if you if you were a millionaire, you'd be out doing a track day three, four times a week. You'd be racing all the time. 
Oh, of course you would. That you probably would, yeah. goes onto the McGuinness thing a little bit. You look at him and think, oh, well, he's not in very good shape. But he'll be on a bike like three, four, five days a week, whether that's whether that's a motocross bike or a flat tracker or, you know, a pit bike, like just anything like... He's getting that endurance and he, he's, he's big on his flat track and his trials. Yeah, so like, he's not racing, if you're so. on two wheels and it's giving you a workout, there's no better preparation for that um but for me i just i just try and like i just try and stay relatively fit i'm not i'm not mega into it but i'm also you know i just i try and watch what i eat keep my weight down and just i go out cycling um you know i just i just try and take general care of myself i'm not mega into it but i'm also not not laps you know um, and and would you be devastated like Hadji said you know, he said that if he lost the race based on his physical fitness, and he, and he, he, you know, he lost the race or he dropped time in the race, would you be, would you be devastated as well because he's sort of like contribute to you because you think, would you think, oh, I could have done more to do this, I should have done that, or yeah, could have, would you should have so. sort of I thing. I think when when something's in your control that's like maybe not so easy to control, but something that is relatively easy to control like that, um, you shouldn't be like lapsing really. You sort of. You know, you should be if, if if you if you want to go well. You know, it's like for, for me, you get Christmas out the way, and I'm I'm thinking about the Manx. I'm like, right, I'm gonna start the diet, not for not for like any other reason than just let's start thinking about race season. You know, so well, like I guess having weight as well, the lighter you are, the faster the machine's yeah. gonna go. That's just physics. Yeah, of course, it is. You know, so I, I'm I'm quite tall. I'm like um, six foot. So for me, I, I weigh quite a lot just off my height. Um, so I've got to, yeah. I've got to try and keep my weight down a little bit in that sense, um, you know. But I'm, I'm not really at a level where it would show that much. But again, I just like I say, I just try and take general care of myself. There's nothing, you know. Top. So when you're racing as well, when you're going around, and, and I'm just, I just love the Isle of Man. I love everything about it. So I do apologise to, to the uh, listeners if you're expecting more track stuff. But we can come back to that. But we just. I think the thing me and you have in common here, Jack, is that we both just just bikes and racing is just something, and just the Isle of Man is just just the pinnacle yeah. of all things yeah. here, isn't it? What it must have been a moment, like for for me myself, and this is this is just like I don't know, it's just, I don't know how to explain it to you. To you, this is nothing. This to you is just like, what's he on about? Shut your knobhead. But to me, I, I was coming up the mountain and I I was charging in and I came into the uh, the gooseneck far yeah. too fast, going up the mountain. So, so I was just like, oh, I was shit my pants. I had my brand new Isle Man sliders on. I cranked this bike over as much as I could. And I went round the gooseneck and I scraped all my slider in and got rid of all my hero blobs yeah. and the FSDR and everything. And I, I, I felt like I was I was a boy and I was a hero. But going into that corner, I thought, oh, we're brown bread here, boy. We, we, we're dead. <laughs> we're done for. Have you had any, any brown pants moments like that where you thought, fuck me, this is it? And what did you do? Did you think, well, it, you know, it is what it is? Or have you gone... Right, this is what's happened. I know I got to do this to try and correct. Yeah, this it's thing. um to be honest again, like I consider myself really quite level-headed with with that sort of stuff. So, like for me, racing at the Isle of Man is like a a, a long-term project. It's not a it's not a short-term thing. So, again, going back to the lap times, it's easy to sit here now and say, "Oh, well, I can go faster." But I know I know for a fact I can, but. It, and it goes back to the the enjoyment thing. It's all just building up to it. So I, I generally haven't pushed myself that hard yet because I, I wouldn't want to. Let's say you went there your first year, you spooned yourself, 
and it potentially put you off forever, you know, and it's and that's no fun for anyone. So I've I've not had any um I've not had any major moments where like sort of you've started sort of saying your prayers sort of thing, but um it's just it's it's all just a bit wild when you when you it's just probably one blur it, after another, I mean, it's just going so fast, yeah, so quick. I've had like a few wobbles and that sort of stuff, but I've never like I've never sort of thought, fuck me, that was nearly it, you know. Um like the, the first year I was there, I had quite a big one. Um I don't know if you know Balakrai jump, have you ever seen like the videos of that? Um over the bridge. Um, no, you you go over you go over Blaff Bridge and then about half yeah, a Blaff mile bridge, after yeah. that, there's a Oh, hey, Balakrai. We call this one Balakrai. Yeah, come on. Yeah. It's like a, a really one. fast left-hander yeah. than a, like a, a, a jump. It's it's unreal. Like, it's the most fun. It's probably one of my favourite corners, you know. Um, but the first year I was there, I came up behind a back marker and there was there was me. The back marker was in front of me and then there was um, a lad, like, to the left of me. So, basically, I had to go to the right to get around this back marker. But... Um, in doing so, it was like off the racing line and the jump was a lot steeper there. Um, so oh, I sort of hell. braced myself for the jump like I would, but then I ended up jumping probably twice as high as I would and sort of landed. I've, I've actually got a Jesus. photo. I'll find the photo and I'll send you. Oh, you sent that to me, didn't you? I, I might have done, did. yeah. And, um, yeah, I I know. Ram, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm with you. I swear um, Hillier had a bit of a slapper not so long ago, didn't he? And, uh, there. So just like n- nothing like major, just one of them where you sort of you sort of think, fucking hell, that was that was lively. But, but again, like before, you can really think about it. You've just got to forget about it and think about what's coming next again. You know, the thing is, well, that track must change so much because at the end of the day, I know it's a race. You know, two weeks a year, it's turned into a racetrack. But ultimately, it's just the public road. So there's going to be things like roadworks. The pitch is going to change. You know, the the um, the role of the road is going to change. But when you're talking about all these corners, I'm assuming you know them all off by name. For me, I'm thinking I know the major ones. Don't get me wrong. I know, I, you know, I know, I know the big names. But for me, I'm more of a visual learner. So if I've seen the corner, I'm I, in my head. I can, I can visualize yeah, it. I, I'm, I'm, but how much as long is taking to learn? I'm, these I'm, I'm pretty good with the names. To be honest, like you, even if you listen to some of the top top boys, they don't know the names. But like you said, they can visualize it. Um, I'm pretty good with names for some reason. I've sort of. Um, you know, they've just stuck. But I think there's there's two reasons for that. I think one is the fact that I've been going there that long. Um, so, like I said, my dad took me over in 2003. And then I've obviously been every year since. So I've spent like 16 years of just, you know, driving to your vantage point to watch where I'm, I'm looking around. And you just, yeah. you just, even without thinking about it, you just pick things up. And then when I knew that I wanted to do to do it properly... I then sort of got on the onboards, like on YouTube. Um, yeah, watched got, all there. I got, I got all the, the PlayStation. Pre- game. Yeah, um, I, haven't, I haven't got the latest one, but I got the one that came out a couple of years ago. What well, T? Uh, the yeah. TT one, the and last then, one that came out. Does that help? Then does that actually help playing on the PlayStation? I was going to ask you that. Does playing on the PlayStation actually help you to learn the corners and and, and what to expect a little bit, or is it just a load of rubbish? The PlayStation, the graphics in terms of the course is really good, I thought, like really accurate. Um, But I thought that because I didn't even see the (laughs) lay-by where I stopped to have a poo. (laughs) It's a story for another time. But um, 
But I, I didn't. <laughs> I just the problem with the PlayStation is it's like you're also like fighting it a bit. So I, I got a bit bored of the PlayStation game because I found that I wasn't stringing clean laps together, and then um, that obviously is like defies the whole point of it. Uh, but for you, that's probably more of a thing, though, because for me, I, I'm very much a novice, and I just hack around. I think, oh, I'm doing great, I'm doing great. But I guess because you, you're, you're a competitive racer, and you're doing, you know where you want to be, from you probably get frustrated quicker. And like, you know, the the racing line they put on the PlayStation is that correct, or is that is that completely different uh, to where you would be? To be honest, I've not paid that much attention to it really. Um, it's a while since I played it. Um, it does help, don't get me wrong, it does help, but I think, like, obviously you've got so many good onboards on YouTube now, um, but I think that the best thing I probably did was, um, you know, I mentioned I've got friends that live over there. I um, I bought a really cheap car over there, um, like an old Ford Focus, um, and my dad's friend um, put it in his name so we could, like, leave it over there. So I keep it, I've still got it now, I keep it on a farm in Union Mills, and I just pay the farmer 20 quid a month to, to store it. Um, and that was Sorry, one of the best things I did. And so, in that year when I knew I was I was doing it, I went over probably five or six times. Um, I just got like a cheap walk Bloody on the ferry ticket or something. Um, went over on a Friday afternoon, jumped in the car, and just literally, I went round not silly amounts because you start falling asleep. But I went around, you know, probably did. I'd go over on a weekend and do I don't know at least 10, maybe 15 laps. And then I did that quite a few times. And, you know, a lot of the time it was on my own, but I also got put in touch with people that came and did a lap with me and, um, you know, like generally like past riders. um, Give you a bit of info, like what to expect and share there, I guess sharing your experiences between each rider. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So I went around with a few different people and that sort of stuff and, um, I think that was probably the best thing I did, really, just literally just driving around. I'd, sort of, I'd do a lap, I'd stop for 10 minutes and maybe make some notes, have a coffee, have a think, and then I'd just keep going, keep going, you know, stop for some lunch and then just, you know. Fair play. Commit to, very yeah. much committed to the cause, Ed. That's, that's, that's really, you know, really to be uh, to be admired, really. i, I got a couple of other questions I want to ask you yeah, before we move on to um, uh, about, about your career and stuff, what you do outside of racing. But... What one that I've always wondered, right, is when you see them all lined up on the start finish line before the races and they go up to them, you know, they get interviewed. Who's the most disliked person in, in the paddock in general, do you think? Who do you think other racers think, oh, what the fuck? What, like, on the, the, the TT it? sort of stage? Um... Yeah, on the TT when you watch them. Or, or who do you think that, and you think that most people think, oh, I don't like that fella? Um, I mean, t- to be fair, like, I'm, I'll, I will answer the question, but to be fair, most. I always think that in something as, as serious as like road racing, you generally don't come across many bellends because everyone's got to have, you know, everyone's in the same boat and you've got to have the clear head and the respect and all of that. Um, but yeah, ultimately, some people just just come across a bit standoffish, I suppose. Um, Who's the worst, would you say? I think, yeah, I think Hutchie always looks quite a difficult character, really. Why, why you say I'm standoffish, Jack? I'm a very nice guy. I just yeah, I mean, like I, my bike. I absolutely can't fault what he's done, you know, and what he will keep doing, you know. 
Yeah, oh, considering I mean, his injuries, now he's recovered and bounced back. I think yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's very admirable, isn't leg. it? Jesus Christ, unbelievable. It really is. But I just think he could just be a bit more welcoming personality-wise. And I, I won't go into any detail, but I know lads because... that have worked with him, like Spanned for him and stuff. Um, and yeah, they've they've not really had sort of too many nice words to say about him, really. Well, that's a shame. So I would imagine him to be like a nice bloke. To me, the most person I dislike, I, I, I say this to you before, is uh, yeah, Michael Dunlop. I just I mean, don't I, like I him. I absolutely love Michael, but I, c- I can see why you think that. Um... I don't get me wrong. I think he's a brilliant racer and anything he's achieved. And I think fair play to take a Bowser, especially when you look at what happened in the Northwest with his um, with his father and, and when he yeah. won that race you know, the day after. I got, I, I'm not taking away any of his achievements for him, but as a person now, not not... Irrespective of the racer, as a person, I've always thought. Yeah, I think again, I think he, he tries to put on this act a little bit, Michael, where he, he's always like, um, look, you know, acting like the world's against him and that sort of stuff, and everything's a challenge. But to be honest, I think I think he is a good guy, but he does just put on this a bit of a facade that's, um, you know, sometimes maybe not necessary. But again, I, I know people that have like worked with him and. Um, I think outside of the race, and he's actually a, just a really good lad. He just loves a beer, you know. He loves the crack. He's just like all of us, you know. I I probably get on with him outside of racing, but you know, for me, you you know you know them better than I do for for interaction, or whatever. But for me, all, all I get to see of him is what I see on telly. And I think sometimes the telly portrays a bit of, especially when he had that bit of a a Barney with his last team and he ditched them and said, oh, I'm racing back for BMW, yeah. you know, a couple of days before the racing. I think you think you get, you get perspective, which yeah. is maybe not justifiable. It's, but I think that goes down to is like blood. He's just a winner and he just, he, he just will do whatever he thinks is right to win. Um, and although he maybe didn't handle that situation with Yamaha the best, I think it, it was the best decision because um, that bike wasn't ready. And yeah, maybe it wasn't the most PR friendly thing to do, but you know, put, put... I mean, he's a win- he's a racer, and he wants to be a winner. And at yeah, the end of the that... day, if you're not in there to, and that's the thing, he wants to be the competitive, the and stuff. It's only one race a year, you know. It's not like it's not like short circuit racing where there's something on every weekend. It's like you've only got one crack at it for the whole year, you know. And um... but have you ever have you ever read his book? Uh, no, I've read. Obviously, Guy Martin's and a few. I've read John McGuinness. I've yeah, read Ian I mean, Hutchinson. I really I've never recommend read you read the book and. To be honest, it's more for um, him talking about like his dad and his brother. Um, it, it's it's more. Yeah, it's very sad. So though, it came it? out. It came out after Robert died, obviously, but before William died. So it actually makes it even sadder when you read about it because. But it's it's more um, the bits I found interesting were like um, the upbringing he had, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, he had a pretty rough upbringing, really, and. Um, he talks about his dad a bit and some of the stuff he went through with his injuries. It's dead interesting. It's, you know, even if you don't particularly like him, I really recommend it. I think you'd enjoy it. Right, I'll give it a go there because, like, the, like I said, the I'm film sure as well. A... Have you seen the film? Is I know, it good? Right. Yeah, I've watched yeah, it. It's a good Liam film. Neeson yeah. narrates it, isn't he? I've seen that. And I did, I did when I watched that, I did think fair play to the fella. But it's just something about his, I don't know, it's just something about his personality. I think. Man, I, I I don't you know get on with. Yeah. Whilst we're talking about the Dunlops, then, uh, and we're on that topic, we talked about a bit about John McGuinness earlier. I mean, I, I have met him once at Aberdeen Park. I thought, should I tweet him and see if he wants to come on to Bezzy's <laughs> now after that ten minute meet? But it, the bastard never replied to me. Um, 
Do you think John McGuinness will, at the moment, what's what's Dunlop on? 26? Uh, Joey, yeah, 26, wins, yeah. Jo- Joey, yeah, and, and McGuinness is on 23, yeah. I want to say. Do you reckon he's got, he's holding off a bit, relaxed a bit, or do you reckon he'll not quite beat that marker because out of respect? Because ultimately, you speak to anyone in racing, road racing, and the name always comes up. Joey Dunlop, Joey Dunlop, Joey Dunlop. Do you think he, he might be holding back a bit? Because even him, himself, he admits that he was a massive fanboy of him back in the day. And he said to him, oh, I, I'm going to be on that. I'm going to be on a podium review racing one day. Do you think he's holding back out a bit of respect? Or do you just uh, well, think he's just... I think there's a, there's a couple um, of sides to that. I think, um, I remember, I'm sure I saw an interview with McGuinness once where he said that if he ever got to 26, he would, he would, um, he wouldn't beat it basically. Um, but I also think that he's. I think it's. I'm not saying he can't win again because anything can happen on the Isle of Man with retirements and that sort of stuff. Um, but I think his time is probably also slipping out of his hands a little bit. Uh, yeah, he's getting just, a bit older now, and he's, he's knocking a real on a bit. Shit, couple of years. Like what? It all started with, with that crash at the Northwest, which wasn't yeah. his fault. I mean that that that's, that's nasty. Pretty that much was. Like, yeah. You know, it's not finished, and that's not the right word at all, but. Do you know what I mean? I, th- I feel like it's it shook probably bit, more it's because of his age. Him. If he was 15 years younger, it'd be like, oh, it was just another crash or crack on. But like you said, he's, he's at an age now where he's, you know, he is getting on, unfortunately. And um, But I also believe that, like, let's say, let's say the TT was going ahead this year. He's on this Kawasaki, his first time back on it. I honestly think that whilst he probably can't do the same lap times as Hickman and Harrison, there's nothing to say that them boys wouldn't maybe have a, a fault, a problem, or a mechanical that sort of thing. Um, anything can happen at the Isle of Man. We've seen, yeah. it, you know, years years gone by all the time. Um, so I'm not saying seconds. he couldn't again. Well, it's the thing with that. Seconds can be made in corners, can't they? Like we said, seconds can be lost. Racing can be lost and won in in, in a few corners, even though. I, I, I would like to see him do. I would like to see him do well because, as as a bloke, as a role model to people, I think he's yeah. a top top bloke. I'd like to see him. You yeah. know, I'd like to see him win a couple. But his last few wins have come yes, from the electric have, yeah. TTs, that's, that's haven't they? No. What What do you make of that? Do you think that should count? Or to me, oh, I think. It's I mean, a bit, yeah. Honestly, I think. Um, uh, how can I put and again, I've heard McGuinness say to people, "Oh, you want to try and ride on them for a lap and." I don't doubt that the top the top bikes like the Mugens. I don't doubt that they're not, you know, they will be hard to ride because they are incredible bits of kit. You know, they're doing unbelievable speeds. But unfortunately, I also think that that class just never took off like it should have. You know, there was never more than six or seven bikes on the grid, and then the difference from the Mugens to, you know, bike number ten that might start a little university team was such a huge difference. Yeah, I think it goes down to money. If you've got the money, you're going to have a better bike. Isn't it? I think that, that becomes unfair because it's not about the racing aspect. Yeah, and I feel like the with the Mugens, they were that far ahead that you could have put some sort of more average riders on and they still would have won, you know. Um, so, no, honestly, no, I don't think it should count really. It might sound harsh, but and I think I think most people would agree with me, to be honest. But... I, I agree with you. I don't think because it's more of an experiment as well, really. You know, and it's just well, I've 
I think that's the way the biking's going to go, unfortunately. Is it's inevitably going to become electric in however many years yeah. to come. I think they're just testing, testing the water to see if you could do electric just, bike racing. I just wish that people would. I, I, I accept it will be the future at some point, but more when the time is right. And I wish people would stop trying to ram it down your throat yeah. and just let it take its natural course and wait until things are properly developed. And I, I definitely agree. And I think you've got to let... It is going to happen, and I think they are testing the water to see could it be done. Could but you can't do a race based on one lap because then it's not about racing; it's about how much money you got and and qualifying. And you might as well just yeah, go and qualify the absolutely. best, isn't it? You know? you know, I'm sure it'll be back, but hopefully, I'm, I'm glad they've stopped it really because it was becoming a bit of a shit show. But um... it was a bit boring. I, I didn't particularly enjoy it. You yeah. come on the telly and you think, oh fucking hell, oh yeah, yeah. I'll watch it, but you weren't enjoying it. Uh, yeah. So before I, I tell you why I've really enjoyed the conversation about the Isle of Man, and I, I, it's, it really is fascinating from an outsider looking in to, to, to this perspective of a, of, of a racer. It's been absolutely fascinating. But what I want to know is, outside of um, racing, what what do you do? What do you, yeah, do you have um, a daytime I've job? Quite a, quite a bizarre job that um, a lot of bikers will will be envious of. Really, um, I work for uh, for Royal Enfield. Who um, that you've you've mentioned sort of okay. briefly on your pods? Um, yeah, yeah. I work as like a, a development rider, um, so I basically do like durability testing of prototype models. Um, and at the minute, like Enfield are going through a huge step change in like they're very much growing, aren't they? They're one of these brands that just continually keep growing, yeah, not and static for very long. It's, it's crazy, right? So like. The last couple of years, Enfield have sold more bikes in India than bikes have been sold in the whole of Europe and the USA combined. Bloody hell! That's yeah. that's, so it's like, that's I think big it was numbers, like Mike. Nine hundred and fifty thousand, something like that. Um, so pe- people Oof, think that, nurse. like a lot of people, thought that when they left England, they were finished, but they're actually not. They've they've been massive in India, um, well, and. To be, you know, credit to Siddhartha, who's the owner, he he could have um, just kept ticking away and making, you know, making his money and making these bikes for the Indian market. Um, but what he sees was more. I want to I want to grow the brand again worldwide. Um, so I joined a couple of years ago, and 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 how, how did you get into that how, how did you get that job it's not a job you just see on indeed it's not no it's, um, oh, funny enough sort of through my racing kind of um just through like a mate that i raced with who was friends with who is now my boss um so it was all just like that sort of thing really it was quite informal it was just you know come down have a chat that sort of thing um so yeah so it's it's been it's been good it's been interesting it's going to it's going to keep being interesting cuz We've got this new um, or newish um, technology centre in Leicestershire, so they've built this huge new facility where um, we do a lot of the like design and development, um, based sort of just down the road from Triumph. Um, we're actually based at um, Bruntingthorpe Airfield, where uh, you know lots of various um, car and bike manufacturers use it for testing. Yeah, and it's it's quite testing, a yeah, top gear and sort of stuff. Yeah. And, that's quite a. That's with like the Belgian Parvey road. No, that's not like us. That. that is, but that's all. That's quite close to where we are, isn't it? Yeah, that's an, 
Uh, okay. That's a that's a very interesting job to get into that. Like that's that's it is. It's that's, um, that's quite a niche, isn't it's very it? Very unusual, but um, it's it, it is largely quite interesting. You know, it's um, it's but it's nice to be involved with, you know, a brand that I've kind of I, I wasn't sure what to expect when I took the job. You know, but I've kind of really bought into it and I've really got to know the brand and you know I've I've been fortunate. I've been over to India a couple of times with it. And, and yeah, yeah, and um, oh, have you? It's just. Would you would you pay your own money there if someone if someone said you got to buy a bike? Would you go? Do you know what? I'll yeah, throw an honestly, into I would. Now get one. People are going to be sat there thinking, "Oh, well, he works," and of course he's going to say that. But this is like genuine me from the heart. You know, I'm I'm actually like a a contractor, so I'm not even solely you know responsible to them. These are my genuine thoughts. Um, but you know, I, I think like biking for us and has changed quite a lot in the in the UK now. It's like sports bikes aren't really much use over here anymore, let's be fair. Well they they, they sort nineties was the big boom of the sports bike, wasn't it? The nineties is when the sports bike sort of got massive and it sort of petered out towards the end when, you know, the ZX nine R came on it. Oh it's a sports tour. No it's not it's a sports it's a tour now because uh, Yamaha released the model. Uh, it's sort of that era is sort of going, isn't it? Because People don't want to get in their race suits and hack yeah, down the roads anymore. They want to have a nice, for me, like it's, nice, um, comfortable ride. It's traffic. It's road conditions. It's police. I mean, I don't know about like what it's like where you're based, but up here in North Yorkshire, we've got some unbelievable biking roads. But the police, literally, there's just police vans everywhere. Speed camera van. And you. You can't even yeah. get that bike up to its full potential then, because like like you said, you've got the police there and you know where they're going to be. Uh, so, so having a bike that can can do all these things that like, perhaps you could you could do on the mountain, great. But for a normal day to day punter, I think it's a bit of a waste yeah, of power. Yeah, definitely. And, and, I mean, and, and so like the the six fifty twins that we brought out last year are, um, you know, they're only forty seven horsepower, which on paper a lot of people would sort of think, well, that's not a lot. But again, really, if it does if it does a hundred mile an hour, what more do you need on our roads? You know. Um, are, yeah, are they yeah, A2 yeah. friendly then? Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a big market now because a large majority of people that are coming through the school at the moment are, are A2 licensed. You don't, you know, they, they, they don't want the full A, they're A2 licensed. Yeah, so that's a good market and, um, to tap into. The bikes I are, again, another thing that biking's gone in a direction that maybe isn't for the best is like the electronics. So ours are a lot more simple. So obviously they've got ABS because it's a legal requirement, but. Other than that, they're just nice, simple machines that are, you know, easy to work on, easy to customise. Um, you've got this British twin sort of 70s, 80s styling that just looks... A prop. Do you know and what? it sounds, I bet they sound fantastic. Well, I say we, the guys, like, have done such a great job with the exhaust note because one of the problems that every manufacturer in the world has now, whether it's car or bike, is emissions. So... Yeah, so yeah, Euro five now, and all that. It? It? So, for, for us to oh, is it? Oh, produce know. what we have, um, while still meeting that is is great, you know. And once the engine's warm, the exhausts are warm, they make this beautiful noise, you know. And it's just really nice, refined, easy motorcycling, you know, for um, for half the price of what many. I won't mention manufacturers as such, but half the price of what many equivalent manufactured bikes are offering. 
Well, it, it's it's very much a modest tag to it as well. What, yeah. What's they retail? So the, the two five, new models got the Interceptor, grand, which maybe? is like a, a sort of cruiser city up bike. That's five and a half grand, I think. And then you've got the Continental GT, which is the wow. cafe racer, um, and that's only a couple of hundred quid more. Um, See, I absolutely love the Continental GT. I think that the, the, the stylistics of it are timeless. It's a fashion that I don't care who you are, you can't look at that bike and think, yeah, somehow gets sexually yeah, turned on by it. It's a very them. nice There's looking bike. There's some really cool color schemes and like. On, on the, I mean, you can get it on both models, but on the GT, my personal favourite is they still do like the chrome tank, you know, the original. Yeah, yeah that's the one I see with a black just, bit of black on it. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, they look fantastic. Um, we 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 talked a bit before, and I said about the Harris frame, and you were telling me that Harris own the company, yeah, or, yeah, so, are owned um, by Royal Enfield now. Yeah, a so lot that's something I didn't really know so that, about. That came about told with me. the. Um, it was about 2012 when the 535 Continental GT came out. Um, yeah, so I think a, it must have been a around small about design firm in the UK which were working for Royal Enfield India, as it is, um, doing some sketches and designs for the 535. And then those guys went to Harris and said, Look, we want you to make us some prototypes, basically. Um, and it just sort of started from there. Harris knocked up a few of these 535 prototypes and and then, you know, our guys got chatting and we ended up, um, Royal Enfield ended up buying Harris Performance. Um, so Harris still operate, you know, as their own sort of company, but any sort of work that we require is prioritised to us. And then they've had a big influence on the new um, the new twins. Um, and obviously the will going forward, you know, and we've got, um, it's going to be a really exciting sort of five years for Royal Enfield. There's some really cool models planned um you know variations of different things that are like popular now and you know upgrades to maybe certain bikes and you know we've got a real interesting product line coming you know you mentioned about upgrades now when the um roy Enfields first come out and they had the uh oh god what was it they had the the bullet and things like that. Yeah. The, the the first EFI bullet. They're quite. They were they were renowned for a lot of electric electrical issues. Uh, have the electricals, you know, jumped on since? Are they up to yeah, standard of what we expect um, nowadays? You know. And again, people are going to sit there and think, "Oh, well, he's just saying that." But we're improving everything all the time. You know, and the influence that the the new tech center in the UK has had is has really brought the quality on quite a step with them. Um, with everything, really, you know, from the electricals to, oh, honestly, you could list everything, you know, the, the quality is really improving. Um, but one of the things that I learned was when I went to India was how different, how different a motorcycle is over there to what we need, as you can imagine. Well, well, well over there, it's yeah. every man and his dog's on one, aren't they? It's like a family tour, it's a minibus, it's a lorry, it's a van, it's, it's a good yeah, so like, it's everything, um, isn't it? The biggest seller over there is like the 350 range, like the, the classic 350 and that sort of stuff, because their average speeds are just so much lower because um, the traffic's just crazy. And, and yeah, and, well, yeah, and I guess the roads the, aren't as, the road as good. I know we got poor, bad so roads here. But... I think, with all due respect to them, they sort of they were making a bike that was acceptable over there. You know, um, a bike that may never see rain. You know, it's. Um, so, you know, now it's moved yeah. 
like now we've got involved, it's you know everything's everything's taken a, a big leap forward. And like I mentioned to you, you get the um, with the new twins, you get a three year warranty and three years roadside assistance, which is um, well, that's that's incredible, really, considering not even. The big manufacturers, yeah, exactly. if you want to say for that, me, even if, do that. If someone said to me, oh, well, I'm, not, I'm not buying one of them because they might be unreliable, like, what have you got to lose? You know, what have you got to lose, really, for for, for the money and for the, the guarantee, you know? Well, absolutely nothing. It's everything. I, I've always fancied the Royal Enfield, and I think I might even, you know, if I get a bit of money one day, if I come lucky in the lottery, I'm, I might even purchase one. With all these developments you're on about and, and, and the way they're progressing, it's obviously clear they've they spent a bit of time and effort yeah. in, in trying to develop a good bike. Do you ever think you'll see them racing um, the Iron Man like Norton did? That, it'd be great. It'd be great to think so. Um, possibly. I mean, never say never. I mean, ultimately, at the minute, they are focusing on sort of regrowing the consumer sort of side of things. Um, but a lot of the guys that work there, what through one way or another are in, are involved with or interested in racing. So like a lot of the technicians in my team, generally most of them are working for various British superbike teams. Um, my, my boss works for a British superbike team. Oh, yeah. So there's certainly the interest there. It's just... Um... I would love to see them do that. I think that'd be epic. Like, all right, they're not going to... They potentially might not. They're not... You're not going to field as well as some of the big teams have had all the research and that straight away. But at the end of the day, if you don't don't try, you're never going to know. I think it's something they should definitely do because with all the the effort and the research and development putting in, who knows? In in say in five or ten years' time, they could be one of the the competitive yeah, forces I mean, up there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know with everything um, they do it. I certainly don't think it'll be ruled out. You know, it's definitely on the radar. It's just not quite as as important at the minute. And to be honest, if um, if Stuart Garner at Norton would have focused more on his customers, they wouldn't have been in the shit that they've been in recently. You know, it's um, so I think it's trying to look after your, your sort of number one first, and then see where that sort of takes you, really. and go from there. And 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 do you reckon Norton are going to be able to rebuild because they've been bought out now? Do you think they're going to be in a situation, say, in three or four years' time, and they might be back in? You know, yeah. To be honest, I, I, think, else, but developing I think the bikes potential again. for Norton is huge. You know that. They make these gorgeous bikes, um, but they just had like a shit business sense, really. Um, and the guy was just a bit of a crook that was running it. So, yeah, when you read some of the stories, they are a bit of horror stories. So I think a change. Yeah, the honestly, arrest, I think. I mean, yeah, people will be like, "Oh, well, it's not British anymore." But as, as long as they keep the bulk of it British, which I believe they are, um, then. I don't doubt that they won't start making bikes in India. I'm pretty sure they will, maybe some smaller capacity stuff. But um, yeah, I honestly think that that'll um, the brand will really grow nicely, you know. Um, and I'm, I'm glad they've been bought out, you know, I really am. And I hope that all of the sort of customers that got ripped off get sorted out. And um, yeah, I think they'll, they'll, you know, if they can keep producing these gorgeous bikes, but maybe at a bit of a more realistic price point would help as well. Fantastic. Well, I, I, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed like discussing everything we have so far, and you know, I, yeah, <laughs> I could go on for 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 hours. Like, well, I go on for bloody months and weeks, and we chatting about things. Like, sometimes I feel sorry for you because I'll be in work and someone will pop into my head and gone, 
Oh, that's a question. I no, I'll just text him the question then. I love chatting bikes who doesn't really and uh, but obviously you don't want to keep your listeners up for, for too long no no I, and, and, and to be fair I have had some yes. questions sent in they have asked me some questions which I would like to ask, would I ask them um, so I got a couple of questions more than yeah, one case, question from one person in some cases but the first one I got from a, a lad called Ghost Rider, who's based up in Landudden, or not far from me, I think he is. And he says, can you tell me something about racing uh, most people don't know? Ho- hopefully I already have, really. You know, no. Well, I, I think you yeah. sort of covered that with the licensing, because I didn't know about that. I didn't know you had to yeah, get that, I mean, that, that's one example. I mean, sorted. A lot, of people, um, a lot of people probably don't quite appreciate cost side of it and I know this sounds really boring but um, you know a lot of people probably don't quite appreciate that side of it and you know um... well I think you say that but I think everyone can appreciate money as a driving factor because you're not a um, a factory rider you're very much a a privateer aren't you so you've got to fund yourself and I think I think it it is money's it is expensive hobby isn't it unfortunately but uh I, I think the way you're going, you're going to do well. I got this. I got a feeling that this time next year you'll be yeah. a big, a <laughs> big uh, so. manufacturer. I reckon. Yeah, it's um, if Roy it's just a shame the Manx is cancelled this year. Obviously, I was. I know, again, I know it's easy to sit here and say. I, I, I generally felt like I was on for a good year. I've spent I've spent all winter building a new Zen six fifty Super Twin. That's like you know we've really gone to town on it. It's a proper trick bit of kit, and um, you know I spent like literally so many like stupidly late nights in the garage getting it ready and just for this to hit and we well, you, you drove all yeah. the way to bloody Spain didn't you to Argon to test well, it um, yeah, we, find we out the track to, was shit uh, when you got there drove to Aragon got um, like an hour away from the circuit and like so we, we we drove through France stopped in France for a night and it was just when all of this was like really gathering pace and um, we were in France on like the Thursday night. Yeah. It was getting pretty serious. You know, they were like, right, on Monday, we're going into a lockdown. And I was like, fucking hell, it's getting serious. But we still thought we'd be okay. And then, um, so we cracked on into Spain the next day and um, got a phone call off the organisers saying, yeah, you know, it's cancelled, go home. And then we got stopped by the police. And the police said, you need to get out of the country tonight because um, <laughs> we're shutting the border. And we were like, fucking Bloody hell. hell. We two bikes in the van. Spent all this money, so we, we literally it's serious now. Yeah. Thankfully, Aragon's right in the north, so we were a couple of hours. We were into France, and it was just, you know, that was it. Um, so yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully, we'll, hopefully we'll get out. Well, it's hopefully not... we'll get out at some you point. Go... You know, the the ACU are saying that we might be able to get out starting July time. So you never know; we might get a few sort of shots. Up. Well, fingers crossed for you because you put a lot of effort and time into it, and I, I want to see you doing well. I want to see you. Uh, developing, you know, because your boy who deserves a good result of that. You, 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 you're hard working. I think that's to be admired. You're not just relying on the income. You're doing two jobs and, you know, you get cracking. You've got a yeah. dog and you've got a missus, so life can't be easy. Yeah. I know that one. So <laughs> you're doing well, son. He also asked you, in your opinion, what is the most fun bike to take on track but has to be stock? No fettling. You ride to the track and straight into a friendly Ooh. race with the average Jones. Um... I've, I've not yeah um do you know what like if money wasn't an object you've got some bikes now that are just like 
I mean, I've, there's some bikes I'd love to ride, like the V4 Ducati and stupid stuff like that. But for me, oh, um, yeah, they are sexual. Like, a couple of bikes that, if I had like a bit of cash and wanted to, you know, some fun things, I, I'm I'm personally obsessed with the MV Augustas, um, like the the F3 triples. Um, I'm pretty obsessed with them, but also. Um, I race a Triumph, so I'm quite into like the you know the new Street Triple Seven Six Five. I, I think something like that would be really yeah, good fun. Yeah, You've got like the auto blipper and you know all that sort of shit that's like standard now. Um, like... I th- I think those Triumphs are very hooligan bikes, aren't they? You can you can be sedate on them, but if you want to throw yeah, it around, yeah, I, th- I know and you can one of my friends has time. got a Seven Six Five actually, and I think he bought it and he he can go touring with his missus on the back. But he can also go to Cartagena in Spain and do a few days on track, you know. So something like that, I think, that's a bit versatile, really. Fantastic. Uh, Rev Bomb asked me to ask you, to ask you, to ask you, to ask me to ask you. Uh, what's the best bit of Ooh, bike kit question. you've ever purchased? Um, do you know what? When I first started riding, I had like, I had decent helmets, but not. Again, coming up the money thing, I was I was always a bit um well, I don't know how best to describe it. To be honest, I've just never really had the money to go and spend six, seven, eight hundred quid on a decent helmet. Um and then a couple of years back I, I sort of got a bit of a deal on a Bell Race Star. Um so probably that because I bought one for the first year I raced at the Isle of Man. And one of the main reasons was was um it has that the biggest uh, field of vision out of any other helmet. Um, so the visor's massive, which I thought would be, you know, really okay. useful for the island. And then they have that MIPS technology in them as well. Um, so probably, probably, um, probably, uh, well, I've had a couple now. I've got some more, but probably the, the race star helmets. And then. Um, What's that like weight-wise? It's not mega is it, light. Is it it's relatively light? light so I can imagine after. You don't pick it up and think, oh, fucking hell, that's light. It's. Um... Do you. Do you feel that fatigue in your neck, though? Um, I, I guess yeah, you I mean, to. my neck hurts after racing at the Isle of Man, but I don't necessarily think it's down the helmet. I think it's down the fact that you're tucked in behind the bubble, sort of, with your, you know, with your chin perched up for um, such a long period of time. Yeah. So probably that, and then yeah, head down that I've not sort of thing. Dabbled into yet, but I'm looking into getting like I'm thinking about buying one of those Ixon Air vests. Um, so I, I had a I had a big crash at Donington. Last okay, I'm with you. Both of my shoulders. Um, so I'm sort of now that this sort of technology oh, is becoming available, I'm, I'm thinking about getting something like that to try and to try and help me a little bit. Brilliant. Uh, who have I got next? Let's see. Um, Epic Adam asks if you had a choice of never racing again or casually um, riding, which one to would be honest, you pick? Not that there's anything wrong with it, but for casually riding, I'd quite happily never casually ride again. Although it's my job, um, I wouldn't want to lose my job. But um, you know how going back to the story when I said I had the CBR, I, I, um, I used to think riding on the road was the best thing ever. And then once I got into doing the racing and track stuff, I actually I don't think I went out on that bike for like a whole year. Um, so yeah, for me, I'd always choose the racing for me. I guess that goes back to when we talked about um, Guy Martin on about the buzz. I guess you can't replace replace that that feeling of no, enjoyment, and excitement on the road. Not, not you can do again, on, it goes back to the on, whole on the Isle of Man. police thing and speeding fines and you know all that shit. Really, 
Fair enough. Uh, Hippo yeah, Jones asks, can I have bike. a go on your bike? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't trust him a lot. I've seen him ride a motorbike and he's shit at that, so I wouldn't let him have a go on your motorbike either. Uh, someone, an anonymous person asks, what um, bikes what, do you own? Yeah, so I've got a Kawasaki. I, I think we pretty much covered that already, though. Um, I've got one of the newer Triumphs. I've also got my old one, which I started out racing on, just from like sentimental point of view. Um and then I've got a I've got a Royal in, yeah, you never in, to in the garage at the minute, the six fifty. Um, but I, I don't actually own a road bike of my own, to be honest. I, I, I don't need to, no, no. Well, you don't need to, though, do you? No. <laughs> you don't have a dog and bark yourself now, do you? Uh, who else have I got? Another anonymous you know question. They big. ask, "How big are your You're balls?" Not actually, that big. Um, everyone says that, like, "Oh, everyone at Race of the Isle of Man, you must have massive balls," but. I wish I could say that I do, but I don't. Um, so I think it's more of a, a mentality thing, to be honest. Yeah, I can imagine that from um, your mindset. I, mean, I guess it is. It's very much like the uh, the commando saying it's, it's a state of mind. But I, I can see if this person asking this question is an outsider, I can see where their perspective might be coming from. Because if you if you just watch the man on telly, you think, fuck. GNL. He's licking on a bit, boy, eh? If he comes off, uh, you know, he's going into Balascari a bit too fast, it's just his game over. I think I think people are drawn to the, yeah, the, the, think, the risk factor as well, I think some people well, are drawn to that too much, these, you know. Like, um, too many people watch it and think, oh, God, you must be fucking stupid. And I'm like, no, it's like it's the total opposite, if anything, you know. Um it's quite disciplined, though, isn't it? It's not like you just get on the bike and you're riding around the road like a lunatic, like you're on a normal road. It's very disciplined riding, and the fact that you take time to progress, yeah. like you said, very to get these signatures to, very to progress to get there. It's not. It's not I like do you're it just I'm a firm believer in like you know, you only live once, and everyone, you know, everyone needs that buzz and excitement in the life, whether it's you know, fishing, plumbing, you know, cycling, whatever. Like you know, yeah. <laughs> some, some lads are into shagging, not into shagging. Exactly, you know, each to their own. It's not a case of I'm stupid, it's a case of it's, you know, just a, a big sort of fun part of my life that, you know, I want to I wanna get that box ticked, really. And a lot of people think as well that because they're quick at riding, they're, they'd be good at racing. Now, there's a difference between quick riding on a straight line and a good rider in straight line in the corners. For example, I see it all the time when you're out and about. Um, when, I, when I'm at Landau, Landau's not a very interesting track. It's a straight with like a, a U bend yeah. at the end, a bit of a right-hander, straight and chicane. And you get you get the inevitable people who pin it on the straight, flat out on the straight, and you think, oh, he's going for it. But in the corner, it, yeah. they're, they're shit, really. Yeah, they're like they're creeping round it, and you're thinking. And I, I'm down there on the FZR, a big fat bastard in my legs, yeah. hanging off the inside, thinking, "Come on, like get going." And then the straight again, they're just hammering it again. I think, like you said, it, it is very much a straight sense of um, set feeling in your mindset that, that you've got to be able to do. It. I don't think that question really makes any sense to me because he's asking if I'm a quick rider, yeah, could I, mean, I probably could I be good well, at road it's racing? It's hard to say because everyone's different. But I, I actually like when I'm out riding on the road day to day. I don't actually ride that quick on the road because I actually, I, I don't feel mega confident and um, like, mainly down to the fact that obviously it's a live road and all that sort of stuff. Um, so like some people might sort of think, oh, well, he's not that yeah. quick. But then 
it's just a totally different mindset once you get onto a track or a, you know like the mountain course or whatever. Um, I mean, the best thing to do is just go and do a track day and just see how you. See how and I guess you, well, that, that is it, isn't it? And I guess you're not chasing the buzz because you get it yeah, from your, your, your racing, so you don't need to go fast on the on the road bike to get it. Like like you say, track day is a way to find out can you keep up with the big boys and why. What I dislike about track days for me, though, is that yeah. you split up into novice, inters, and fast, aren't you? But you, you yeah. always get those people that are novice who should be in the inters, and people in inters should be in fast, and don't want to get moved up and down. So the best one I ever did was, a, do they call it chromo? Oh. I think they call yeah, it chromo. Yeah. Chrono. They did it based on your times. So you, you go out you yeah. go out and did a couple of laps first, and then they split you into your groups then. But even then, you get people who are... Before lunch, oh yeah, I'm really fast and really good. And I was speaking to this boy at Landau, and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm really fast and really good." I said, oh, "How many track days you've done?" And he said, four. Yeah. I said, "Oh, where have you done?" He said, "No, I've only ever done Landau." But to no, me, you're never going to improve if you just did the same thing. Like, we've got day. some superb tracks in our country. You need to go and vary them all, or as many as you you know you can within reason. You know. And that's exactly why I think. I think if you just do the definitely, same thing and definitely. never push yourself, you're never going to learn new champion. Uh, one another question I got here is: What does your um, wife do you know what? girlfriend she, the, think about your racing? Part, she's really, really um, supportive of it. She's really good. Um, you know, I think it's there's there's no hiding from the fact that it is extremely dangerous, like particularly the Isle of Man, and she she's really good with it. And I think. I think if I said to her, look, do you want me to stop or continue your choice? She'd probably say stop. But whilst I'm enjoying it, she is happy for me to, you know, to do it really. So yeah, I couldn't ask for a, I couldn't ask for a better, um, a better missus on that, on that side. Definitely. Yeah, she's good. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? No, not, I mean, I can't even. Is she into bikes herself? Does she ride or? You know, she literally won't even, she won't even come pulling for to go around the block um she's she's petrified of it really but like i say she's, no, she's mine's pretty the same. supportive and even just like what i do for a living she's pretty supportive with so and 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 does she go when you go away to the island yeah, no, she, she, like, does she come donnington or whatever she might not bother but she, she's been over to the island man to watch um the sort of two times i've done the manx and um Going back to what we're chatting about before, she she's loved it for more than just the racing, you know. So that's good. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, that, that's good. Look, long as she support, you know, she sounds like a good lass being being supported like that for for, for you and, and being encouraging of it. Because the last thing you want someone to do is it's it's a conflict of interest. Then when, when yeah. one party wants you to do it and the other one doesn't, it, it, it's a bit of it's a clash there. So as long as that that's that's you're both happy, that's the main thing. My question is. Can Throttle Monkey's logo yes, appear on your new bike? Uh, you've, uh, always been, uh, you've always been supportive of me, so why not? You have. I've been bloody good to you, haven't I? Uh, fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, that, that, you know, I if we can, we're, we're going to help you out any way we can. And, and what I plan to do, hopefully when Racing Touchwood gets going again, we're going to... Um, keep an eye on you and, 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 you know, chat about how you're doing and, and things like that. And hopefully get you on in a, you know, in a future, yeah, discuss how things are going, how you're developing and, and, and things like to, that. Um, get to get a bit in this, this year with, um, with everything that's going on. Definitely. And, and I definitely want to yeah, meet absolutely. up sometime at some track and be a bitch in the evening. 
Brill. So, have you listened to all the other podcasts? I say all the others. Uh, like there's three. I mean, there's to be honest, I've, I've not two actually listened three. to the very first one um, because it wasn't on Spotify, and I'm just a little bit lazy. Um, no, that, that was <laughs> yeah, on SoundCloud. I was that's, quite that's, pissed ma- that's mainly just to so. me being lazy and not opening another app that I've got. So, so. Well, anyway, the last... Can you remember what happens in the yes. very, very last episode what I get each guest to tell us? Brown sauce. And what is that? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah, sorry. Even I forgot about it. Bloody hell. So, if Jack Fowler yeah, was having, if I was a having sausage, sausage it'd be would you brown. have red sauce If I was having brown bacon, sauce? it'd be ketchup. I can't have brown sure sauce. that's not all the beer and, and other shit. Terrible happen. What 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 are you saying? I'm a big. I buffer. didn't say um, anything. It's all right for me to say it, right? But not for you. <laughs> even even a cabbage has a heart. Remember that. Uh, and the other one is and the last thing we do is Bix Bad Gag, where I get my guests on each podcast to tell me their best or worst joke. So now um, it's your turn to tell me your best what? or your worst joke. I'm not. I don't really have any in my head, but I've been watching. Um, I've been watching Afterlife. Uh, oh, you're a fan of Afterlife. Funny enough, the last. I'm a massive Ricky Gervais fan. I genuinely, I couldn't, I couldn't think of a joke in my head myself. But there was one last night on there that, which really made me laugh. What's What's worse than ants in your pants? Go for it, Michael Jackson. Oh, ants in your pants. Don't know. <laughs> little bit, little bit crude, <laughs> but it made, it made me laugh. So. Yes, yeah. Very funny. Well, oh, what did you think mental, to Afterlife? I know it's we're like, going off a bit bike You go here, from but... laughing your head off, like, to literally your heart feeling like it's been ripped out, you know. Um, it's it's a really strange show, but it's it's brilliant. And... Absolutely superb. I'm not one for crying. I, I never really get emotional about things. And, like... My missus was here a few weeks ago, right? And she asked me, she was watching Britain's Got Talent, the Golden Buzzer Act, and, you know, it's sad. And she said, have you ever cried watching <laughs> telly? And I replied when Guy Martin crashed on the Honda. And it didn't go down too well. But watching Afterlife, is the, it's, like you said, you're the ecstasy. You're so happy. You're so overjoyed. And you're laughing and you're belly laughing. And the next thing, you're sitting there. And then every, I feel like you get this, this gut-wrenching feeling in your stomach where everything just drops, like the arse has dropped out of you. It's some yeah, very incredible writing well, that, think, that is, um, is to be admired. If you've got a missus, I think it's probably um, it probably pulls on you a bit more, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I've I've really yeah you it. do really you do think it, so? I'm, uh, yeah, I can you know what you're saying. Yeah, looking forward to the next one. Yeah. Well, I think we covered everything I wanted to today. I mean, yeah, I could I mean, go on for bloody you know, hours. If, and if you've ever got any questions or if anyone, you up if now and then, so you can any on. questions at all, just ping them over. I'm more than happy to chat, bite, talk. Um, Best place to find me is on my Facebook page, really. If you search Jack Fowler Racing, that's the uh, that's that's where I do most of my stuff. I mean, I've got Twitter, but I don't I don't like Real. I don't really use Twitter for my racing as such. I just use it for you know looking at nonsense like throttle monkeys. But but no, if if, if anyone's got any questions, either tweet, <laughs> you know, tweet yourself or find me on them um, on Facebook. Fantastic. Well. Again, you heard him. Have a look on his page. Definitely follow him. We're going to keep an eye on you on the Throttle Monkeys to see how you're getting on throughout the season when it resumes. And we wish you all the best uh, because we want to be on the podium spring the champagne with you. Um, uh, Thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure. It's been really good and hopefully we'll, um, we'll catch up again. Catch up again soon. Definitely. Well, 
I'll leave you on that note. And thanks very much, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll catch you all next time on Throttle Monkeys. Thank you for listening to this Throttle Monkeys podcast with me, Big Mitchum. If you'd like to know more, follow me on Twitter at MitchumBic or find me on YouTube, Big Mitchum. As we say in Landau, ta for now. Ciao for now, innit? Oh, fuck.